BIB Today, the daily business podcast from the Business of Vancouver Newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. I want to talk to you a bit about a couple of events that we have coming up. And if you're a business and you've taken the hard decision to sell the firm, um, now the hard work actually begins. And so what can you do to ensure you aren't making mistakes as you sell? Find out when we host an expert panel on finding the best price and buyer for your business. May 8th, at the Vancouver Club. For tickets and info, visit biv.com slash events. And I also want to talk to you about an event coming on the 22nd of May and concerns cannabis, edibles, infused beverages, topicals, and vapes. They're, they're coming in the second wave of cannabis legislation. Again, join us on the 22nd of May as we explore the road forward at our Cannabis 2.0 event. For more info, again, check out biv.com slash events. We're, um, we're turning our attention on the podcast today to our neighboring province, a little place called Alberta, where there's a very heated election campaign nearing its conclusion. On April 16th, the province is going to determine if Rachel Notley's NDP government is reelected or if the United Conservative Party under former federal minister uh, Jason Kenney restores a right of center government to the province. Uh, it had held power for more than 40 years until the Notley government came in. Alberta's economy and ours, of course, are intertwined. And of course, again, the proposed Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion is a crucial crucial piece of that uh, relationship. We're going to look today at the campaign and the consequences with Mario Canseco. He's a regular on our program. Of course, he's president of Research Co., a public opinion research firm. He writes for Glacier Media for us. Good to have you with us. Great to be here. Did you, um, did you get a look at last night's uh, debate or can you call it a debate? It was kind of like a talk over each other kind of 90-minute session. Yeah. Well, my, my first thoughts were with whoever was handling the closed captioning for the television. You know what? You couldn't tell. I just want to tell you, I was in the gymnasium for uh, like a little bit of that, and I had closed captioning on, and I realized this was going to be hopeless. Uh, so I had to watch a little bit of on a PVR when I got home later on because <laughs> poor, poor CC person was just, or, or whatever technology was using could had no basic ability to keep up with what was going on. It, it wasn't uh, particularly great as far as compelling television is concerned. Uh, but I thought it was interesting uh, that we had a, a look at two things that we didn't expect or that we haven't seen before. You know, Rachel Notley four years ago, came out strong against uh, um, who was there sitting as the incumbent at the time. Jim Prentice, uh, right? Jim, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, she really was seen as somebody who won that uh, debate. It's very different to do this four years later and to defend mm-hmm. your own record. And I think she had a very tough time. Uh, Jason Kenney had some moments where he connected very well. There were moments when he was smiling at the camera and I kind of had flashbacks to Tom Mulcair in the 2015 election. Like this isn't really his style. He's not a natural smiler. He's not a natural smiler. No. no. And, you know, I, I don't think we saw any winning scenarios yesterday. Nobody really scored any major yeah. points. Yeah. Uh, so Please don't say those... nobody scored a knockout punch. That's just... No. Well, that is the second most uh, horrendous cliche coming out of debates. Uh, the first one in my mind is whenever you get asked something, you say, oh, that's a great question. Yes, exactly. We right. heard that so many times yesterday. It was just sad. But you know that when a politician says that, it's because they haven't quite got the rehearsed uh, talking point. So that's a great question, or I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> is uh, is their brain's opportunity to uh, do a little reprogramming there for about two or three seconds? Okay. Just just for anybody listening, that's that's what the code is for that one, right? Uh, 
I saw, you know, I saw enough of that debate uh, to um, come away thinking that um, that Rachel Notley uh, is it's a referendum on her handling of the economy. Was there much she could have really done in these last four years to handle the economy when so much of it is dependent on, first of all, the world uh, world market for oil, which has not been a great market? And secondly, the you know the the fact that we can't get the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion going. Well, it's definitely a difficult scenario, and I think she tried to reference that last night, talking about what she inherited, the situation that she had, the things that she's done. It's a lot easier for Jason Kenney to go out there and say, "I would have done everything differently, and we would be in a great scenario," because that is exactly what you do when you're running and you're not in government. Now, that being said, I think uh, where she's going with this is more a situation where she's relating to the services that she's bringing. You know, we have much better scenarios in other areas. Uh, We want to bring in childcare that is going to be... she mentioned schools cheaper. and hospitals. Schools and hospitals, times, it seemed. Yeah. yeah, which is exactly what gets you the center-left young female voter, which is what she needs in order to hold on to this. Now, they're not doing fantastically well; that they're still behind. Uh, but when you look back at what the NDP used to get in that province, this is remarkably good for them. They're at forty percent. There's still a situation where they could gain a few points, maybe gain a few seats from now until April sixteen. So. It's not as bad a situation as we maybe thought it was going to be six or seven months ago when every single poll had uh, the United Conservative is, uh, essentially 30 points ahead. Yeah. I heard a, a radio interview the other night uh, that I think uh, we can talk about. You likely heard it too. and I'm, I'm going to mention it. Charles Adler. Yes. Uh, who has been a longtime friend of Jason Kenney. And, and I, will, I will give props to Adler. He he basically decided uh, my obligation here is to my listeners, and I'm going to press Mr. Kenny on the basis of the tolerance inside his party. Um, will that wear over time on Jason Kenny's image, say in the next week or so, if people begin to make up their minds? Well, I think we see a scenario where uh, residents haven't made up their minds about who they want as the leader. Uh, Even though we see the United Conservatives ahead in voting intention, when we ask people who they want as their head of government, it's a tie between Rachel Notley and Jason Kenney. So the next couple of weeks are definitely crucial for them to try to close that deal. If we wind up in a situation where more people feel uncomfortable with Jason Kenney because of all of these social issues, then those numbers might actually fall. And it's interesting that this is happening with somebody who has been described as a conservative interviewing the leader of the United Conservatives and talking about social issues. I think Charles Adler would position himself as a conservative radio commentator and broadcaster. Uh, And I think, uh, again, I I was... um, I wasn't surprised because Adler has, of course, a, a long track record of eventually doing something that can be very, very, very pointed uh, with it. But I think he probably grilled Jason Kenney better than anybody else in the Alberta market that I've heard in this campaign. And it had a lot to do with the fact that he felt in love, uh, that, that Jason Kenney was failing to essentially acknowledge that he has inside of his, op, uh, inside of his party uh, a number of people who have glommed onto it, who uh, you know, who bear a certain intolerance. Well, I, I would go back to the 2012 election. 
Uh, it seemed fairly uh, straightforward that the Wild Rose Party was going to win that ballot, uh, that the conservatives at the time weren't going anywhere. And on the final weekend, we had some of those discussions related to the lake of fire and the fact that global warming was a hoax, allegedly. And I think a lot of people on that weekend changed their minds and said, I don't think we're ready to allow this other party, even though we are with them ideologically on many issues. Uh, we're just not comfortable with these people in the House. And, and so, I think something similar could happen here. Yeah, so what does Jason Kenney have to do? He, he can't bump his candidates at this late stage. No. So what does he have to do here? Well, I think he needs to talk about specific issues that he wants to implement. Mm. And, and I think he definitely tried to do that yesterday when he, he was talking about certain plans that he has. Uh, I thought it was important that he couldn't answer the question that Charles Adler asked him about who his next education minister would be. Or ruling out uh, or, ruling out someone who had been the education critic. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's a weird scenario. I think more than anything, uh, he's going to try to focus on, on, on jobs, pipelines, economy. Those are the issues where he's ahead of uh, Rachel Notley right now. So that definitely helps him. Uh, there will be people who are going to be feeling uncomfortable with what they're hearing. But to me, this might echo the 2004 U.S. campaign where John Kerry kept talking about George W. Bush and ended up with the same number of residents saying, yes, we are definitely dissatisfied, but you're not growing that base. So this also has uh, um, it, it has uh, legs for the next three, four days, but you cannot spend the next nine, 10 days talking about social issues because we've been talking about Jason Kenney's problems with social issues for the past 15 years. I didn't think that I'd ever see in an Alberta election debate um, the uh, issue of the Quebec resolution and the Constitution. That was quite <laughs> go, shocking, wasn't go, it? Uh, go, go on and on and on. My, my hunch is that uh, people were looking for a hockey game as soon as that one started to, uh, <laughs> to endure. Um, but largely what he's talking about is, is the and, – and, and I could hear also Rachel Notley talk about frustration, almost anger – about the relationship with Ottawa and Kenny's plan to hold a referendum to then try to, what, move Alberta out of the equalization payments? It, 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 it's just not something that one. works that way. You know, yeah, yeah. first of all, uh, you, you cannot force the government in Ottawa to do something because the people in your own province decides that that's the way it's going to be. Like, yeah. it just doesn't work that way. It had shades of Stockwell days idea of having a referendum on anything if you have the right number of signatures. Uh, so that's a problem. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there's always been this crazy relationship between Quebec and Alberta. So for the supposed next premier of Alberta to cite Quebec as an example of how to get away with stuff, I thought a lot of people probably reacted very negatively to it. And we need to also face the fact that there's always been a relationship uh, that has been uh, riddled with conflict when it comes to liberals in Ottawa and conservatives in Alberta. The only time when this didn't happen was when Stephen Harper was the prime minister. So it's normal for them to say, we're going to fight, we're going to fight. It helps you win elections there, but it doesn't help you get anything when it comes to the bigger table. Is Rachel Notley hurt by the fact that on the pipeline issue, she cannot basically get concurrence out of her neighboring NDP government. Does that hurt her with the NDP base there, that somehow she is off, uh, off, off the page with them? It's definitely problematic. I think part of the um, calculation that they're doing right now is, okay, Jason Kenney is pretty scary for a lot of folks. 
They might not like what we're doing on specific issues such as the environment, pipelines, or other issues that are definitely closer to the NDP base. But you keep thinking, what was the NDP base before the last election? 10%, 11%, mostly in Edmonton, mostly youth, mostly Mm -hmm. women. That's not going to win you the next election. So if you do something that is going to get you more votes from the other people, then that is the right way to go. You might make some of your base angry because you're essentially courting to issues that they don't care about. But when they look at Jason Kenney on the other side, they are probably going to stick with you. The Liberals have, of course, uh, their own party in the province. It's not a very prominent party. Uh, Its leader participated in last night's debate. The interesting thing I've noticed in this is is what I haven't noticed, which is uh, Justin Trudeau has not come into Alberta to do any kind of campaigning alongside the liberal leader. He clearly wants Rachel Notley, who he believes, I guess, has the best chance to win this because his nightmare is Jason Kenney, is it not, as they head toward a federal election? Absolutely. I think it'll be very difficult to do something related to nation building, which is one of the topics that Justin Trudeau is interested in, when Jason Kenney is going to say no to everything that you throw his way. Yeah. Uh, as far as the liberal leader, uh, David Kahn, um, I think he's angling for something federal. I, yeah. It's definitely difficult to say if he's going to be winning his seat. They're not running a full slate of candidates, which is also problematic. Uh, I thought he came across well in some moments and, and is an interesting figure to have in a debate in Alberta because yeah. we're not used to this kind of uh, situation. No, man of color, openly gay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a future for him federally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be fairly simple in an election that could become a referendum between the two major parties. I don't think the liberals have a really big shot at uh, gain, gaining many seats. What would the election of Jason Kenney pose, though, for uh, the federal government? Among other things, is it is it the end of the national carbon tax concept? In a way, yes, because now you have a scenario where everybody uh, other than BC is unhappy with this. Manitoba yeah. doesn't want it. Ontario doesn't want it. Uh, Saskatchewan doesn't want it. And now you have Alberta essentially saying, my first order of business, if I become premier, said Jason Kenney, is going to be to repeal our own carbon tax. And we're not going to participate in anything that is coming out of Justin Trudeau. So it... You really need to rethink this. And, and it's not going to be easy to do this without having the buy-in from almost every other province that you have. So it's probably a non-starter. Does he make, uh, Kenny, does he make any difference in whether the pipeline gets built or not? No, I don't think so. And, and this is definitely part of the situation that Rachel Notley tried to say yesterday. You know, we have done everything we can. It's not a situation where if we had had a different premier for the past four years, things would have happened. I mean, we've seen the roller coasters. We've seen the discussions related to what goes on and what doesn't. We saw the federal government by the pipeline. Um, All of this would have happened uh, with another premier, even one that was conservative. I heard him say at least two, maybe three times, I respect your leadership, premier, but... But you did a deal, a disastrous deal. Uh, that's that's interesting the way that he puts it, right? It's there's there's a, a language in there that's important to study. Absolutely, and and I thought he was very well prepared. I think a lot of people expected him to lose it, to be very upset. Uh, I thought he handled himself very well after all of the things that were said to him, and he was very nonchalant about some of the things that he heard. So 
He was definitely ready for the debate, uh, but he also doesn't want to commit too much. I think it's very simple at this stage to say, I would have done things differently and we will do things differently. Uh, But you can't really commit to say, uh, in this date, we're going to have this pipeline flowing. How important uh, has it been in this campaign, though, for Rachel Notley to have a a 2.0 kind of plan? Have we heard sufficient amounts of that, do you think? Um, in order to give her a, a, another basic uh, breath of air in, in the way that uh, her prospects go? Well, I, I think it's been better than a lot of people thought it was going to be. I think she's trying to connect on the services front, trying to talk about the future of the province, uh, angling a little bit on the social conservative issue, um, and essentially trying to get a lot of people to look at her as somebody who Maybe things aren't going fantastically well, but you should give me another chance because whatever is coming uh, on our rearview mirror is definitely scarier than than what you don't like about me. And and I think that's what the basis of the campaign will be for the next few days. It's a referendum on who are you comfortable with having as your own premier. You may be upset with certain things that I've done, but look at Jason Kenney and tell me that he's going to do it better. And yet Albertans, of course, had conservative governments for, I think, 42 years, I believe, <laughs> um, before Rachel Notley took it, took it over. Uh, the, the prospect of a conservative government as opposed to maybe a Jason Kenney government is not all that troubling to Albertans. Why, why would it be? Hmm. Well, I, th- I, I think it's more um, related to the own personality of uh, Jason Kenney. You know, when, when I've asked be- the good people of Alberta, about their former premiers, there's a, a, a sense of pride when they're talking about people like Lowheed or Klein. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, we really cannot put Jason Kenney on the same pedestal yet. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely one of the problems. He's, and, not, and, he's not like his former colleague, Jim Prentice. No. He's not like some of the predecessors in the Conservative Party, like Peter Lougheed. Yeah, And I, I think that definitely creates a, a situation where Voters might feel compelled to vote conservative because of ideology, but they're not convinced that he's the one person to do it. And and nothing shows me this more than the results of our survey that have them leading, but that have his own rating way below the number of votes that they would get. So you can't have a situation where 45% of the decided voters will vote for you and your approval rating is in the 30s. That means that people are voting ideologically and you haven't really connected emotionally with it. Yeah, yeah we're, we're bouncing around a little bit here, but the one paradox that I, I'm, I'm struck by with Jason Kenney is that as a minister in immigration, when he was at the federal level, he was actually very well regarded. Yeah. Uh, he was... He was perceived to be as aggressive as any minister in recent memory around trying to diversify this country, uh, attract, bring to, bring to the country people who are going to generate a lot more wealth, who are going to add to our, you know, just give us a very different perspective as a country. And yet there he is as a provincial leader appearing to have accepted or countenanced being surrounded by people, who, some people who have had... Um, you know, a, a, an absolute intolerance around this. Uh, what's going on there? Well, I, I think it's one of the ways in which they're trying to uh, build a, a large tent party, as he called it. Uh, but it's probably too large a tent uh, yeah. when you have people who are definitely not similar to the conservatives that you dealt with in other parts of the country. 
and and that that is definitely problematic. I think that is one of the reasons for his numbers to be as low as they are. It's not necessarily what he has done. It's certain things and certain moments when you have to call your own candidates and say, you need to say something about this. Everybody's got something on Facebook or on Twitter that they regret uh, or some statement that they made on the radio. Uh, uh, People want to see the leader solve those things quickly carefully and judiciously. And I don't think we have seen that with Jason Kenney. And that is one of the reasons why his numbers are low. Yeah. Last, uh, last area, Mario, um, you have studied uh, uh, the dynamics of campaigns for quite some time. And I want to get an idea about really, are these debates singularly the game changers in campaigns? Can they, can they actually move people considerably? And if so, what do you make about what happened last night and how that will play out over the next 10 days? Well, I think there are opportunities for debates to to serve uh, as uh, ways to get the voters to realize that there are other options. I, I would point to 2011 and Jack Layton's performance in making a lot of liberals vote for the NDP and ultimately leading the NDP to finish in second place, which nobody expected before that debate began. Um, similar situation four years ago. Rachel Notley was the one who emerged from that debate as somebody who could be elected and who could be the head of government. I just don't think we saw any of that yesterday, partly because of the format of the debate, partly because of the way in which they kept interrupting each other. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it just I don't think there's a formula that you can use for every debate uh, that is going to lead you to a situation that makes the voters more informed. If anything, I think it's the interpretation, what we're reading about this morning, what the newspapers thought was important in the debate, because a lot of people didn't actually see it, or some of the sound bites that get thrown in the next couple of days. So there is definitely a chance to to move the voters, but I just don't think we saw any of that yesterday. It's almost as if we, what we need is, is instead of a debate, we need it to be like a telethon and just go for about 24 hours and see who cracks first, <laughs> see who breaks down and screams first. Uh, uh, so then, okay, if it's not going to be necessarily the debate that's the changer in this, so what has to happen, do you think, in the last number of days on each of these two most prominent campaigns? First of all, let's talk about what Jason Kenney has to perform with here. Well, uh, the key for the... Uh, United Conservative campaign is is going to be um, discussing job creation, discussing the economy. Those are issues where they do very well. Uh, for Jason Kenney, it's more about talking about jobs. Uh, I think he needs to steer clear about the socially conservative issues. If he's decided that he doesn't want to talk about it and he's forgiven everything that his candidates have said, uh, it's too late now to change his mind. Uh, so he's, he's just probably going to do that. So he's and locked in, you think? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Um, because then it, if, if he had done this a couple of days ago, it would have been a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, and now it's probably too late. And, and for Rachel Notley, it's, it's really services. It's ultimately, okay, uh, Jason Kenney says he's going to build this, he's going to bring energy, he's going to bring pipelines, he's going to bring jobs, but what services is, is he offering you? And, and look at the cuts that we've seen in other provinces when the conservatives get elected. Do you really want to see this? It, it's, and I thought, uh, in a way, last night, Rachel Notley tried to say that, like, you know, you, you're not in the same... Uh, wavelength as the other premiers that we've had. You're more akin to what we have in Ontario right now with with uh, uh, the Fords yeah. uh, than than what we've had here with the low hits and the clients. So yeah. Yeah. very very complex. I mean, it it also strikes me, and maybe we can close on this: is it, had the uh, had the 
the Trudeau government basically given the certificate to proceed with Trans Mountain, uh, would we be experiencing, do you think, very different poll numbers right now? Absolutely. And, and you know, frankly, I think if if there had been more momentum on the pipeline and something had been done before, Jason Kenney would not have sought the leadership of the United Conservative Party. I think he right. sees it as something that can happen because of the circumstances. Uh, but if we had the pipeline ready, if Alberta's jobs were coming back, if the economy were a little bit better, um, he wouldn't have thrown his hat into the ring. Yeah, interesting. April 16th will be an interesting night. Always good to talk to you, Mario. Thanks a lot for coming in. My pleasure, Kirk. Thank you. Mario Canseco is the president of Research Co. And that's BIB Today for today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 